0: Welcome to the beauty biz show today. I Was gifted a very special opportunity and i'm so excited to be able to share it with you This episode was meaningful to me because I got to interview somebody who I have looked up to for their wisdom for so Very long and I don't know if you're a believer in this But i've always been a believer when the student is ready the teacher will appear and if you have listened to me at all over the past, let's say, several three to four years, you know that I've been hot flashing and I've had crazy hormonal problems. So how excited do you think I was when I was gifted the opportunity to interview Suzanne Summers? She has written a new book called A New Way to Age, and it's the most cutting edge advances in anti-aging. So she talks in the book about balancing nutritional and mineral deficiencies, bioidentical hormone replacement, detoxifying your gut, all kinds of crazy stuff that I've actually been dipping my toe into and starting to feel better because of it. So this book, I plan on having it on my coffee table for a very long time as a reference type book to gain wisdom from, to help me feel healthier and to function more like a human than I've been feeling in a very long time. So Suzanne and I had a conversation for about an hour. She went really personal and really deep and talked about how she was discovered in Hollywood, what her family life was like, and then we segued into the book and how she has made herself look and feel amazing over the last several years, and she's sharing the information and the techniques and let's say tactics that she's used with you a lot of them here today on the show, so enjoy. And then, if you can't get enough of this, which I have a feeling you're not going to be able to, make sure you head over to Amazon or SuzanneSummers.com and grab her new book, A New Way to Age. And um, let me tell you something. When I was in my treatment room in Los Angeles, I had young celebrity clients, young, beautiful clients, and they always used to say to me in their 20s and 30s, Lori, I want to be on your plan. I want to be on your plan. Let me tell you, nobody explains to you what is going to happen as you hit your late forties and early fifties, like Suzanne Summers does. So if you want to get on a good plan, you want to become knowledgeable and educated in the world of anti-aging and how we can actually reverse some of the signs that will appear. You want to grab this book. Okay, guys, stay tuned. Enjoy the show. Thanks so much for being here today. Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Beauty Biz Show. I'm your host, Lori Cree, and today I have a really special guest with me, Suzanne Summers. Suzanne, I am so grateful and excited to have you here.
1: Well, thank you very much. I love um, the, this kind of communication. You know, the, the world has changed so much. I'm finding with this whole experience with the uh, epidemic and the pandemic and all that, it's forcing us to be creative in a way that... We may not have been. And so um, the podcasts are a big part of it.
0: Well, I was so excited when your team reached out to me. And then I just mentioned to you on our pre-call, oh my gosh, I was thrilled already to have you here. And now I'm like, come on, bring on the entertainment. Couldn't be more excited (laughs) to chat with you today. So I'll tell you something. I have eight of your books. Wow. I am not a chef by any means, but I have cooked your ribs for about 10 years. I don't know if they're your (laughs) husband's recipe, the rosemary ribs or your son's, but that is one thing I can do really well in the kitchen. So thank you for that.
1: And when you can do great ribs, you can please the crowd.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: Who doesn't, who doesn't like ribs? Exactly. Even people, even people who don't think they like them, who don't like to get messy when it's all they've got and they taste it and they go, wow, these are good.
0: Yours aren't really messy it's the crispy rosemary on the outside yeah. that makes them so delicious.
1: Yeah I've been doing them a little differently lately now I've, I've been um, parboiling them a little bit and then putting them seasoning them like crazy and then putting them in the oven with uh, covert with um, foil for a while with all and then at the end brush them with maple syrup and any kind of concoction I can come up with and they're kind of great too.
0: That sounds delicious.
1: So before we get started,
0: the world is changing. Like you mentioned, I just like to know what people are doing to entertain themselves right now that we are kind of on lockdown. You and I live in a similar area and just share with everybody what you've been doing to entertain yourself.
1: Well, part of this, um, uh, leading up to this, I had fractured my hip. I've never broken anything in my body before. I don't know if you've ever had a fracture, but you can't walk. And so I've been kind of confined to bed, told not to move so that that delicate stress fracture would heal. The doctor said it'd be easier if you had broken your hip, then we could just replace it. So I was already in a lie-down place, but as this last two-week quarantine happened, I started feeling a lot better, and I've been lying in my bedroom, and I have too much stuff. I'm so sick of my stuff. And when you're lying there looking at your stuff, you think, I don't need that, and I don't need that, and I don't need that. And so I got out of bed, and I have been throwing things out. I just keep getting plastic bins, and uh, this—I'm bringing all my stuff to a store in Palm Springs called Revival. It should now be called the Suzanne Summer Store. It's probably (laughs) (laughs) everything in there. Go there, everybody. There's probably there's Ralph Lauren and Richard Tyler and Donna Karen and. Even stuff from when I was on Three's Company—that's how long I've been hoarding. I'm a hoarder, and I didn't realize it until I was confined to my bedroom. It does feel freeing
0: to get rid of stuff that we really don't need anymore.
1: Oh, I'd like to get rid of half of everything I own, and that's—it's uh, painful because I've lost a lot of weight in a good way. Um, I'm down to like 124, 25 pounds. I'm usually up around 135. And I actually look better at 125. And so I've been trying things on that I want to throw out from 25 years ago, Chrissy snow clothes. And they fit. And it, I mean, I don't want to wear Chrissy snow clothes, but the clothes of that era, I'd never had any clothes and I bought a lot at that time. And I was all ready to throw everything out and they fit. Now, the good thing is, I have granddaughters and it all fits them too. So they'll probably end up with it.
0: Oh, wow. And it's always fun to put on. And fashion finds its way back. So it's probably perfect for them,
1: right? It is. It is. The Even the uh, big shouldered ones are looking good. And the flared pant ones are looking good. I don't think I'll <laughs> ever be able to go back
0: to the blazer with the pads in the shoulders, though. That I just can't repeat it.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, I did put a couple of those. Oh, no, I don't know. I put on a red velvet Ralph Lauren the other day, thinking I'm going to throw this out. And it was like, Whoa, well that looks good. So who knows? That's part of the what the sickness I have. My hoarding, my hoarding sickness.
0: Well, it sounds like this is a transition period for you.
1: Yeah, <laughs> the, the quarantine. Well, it's all good. You. This is all good. Uh-huh. I'm
0: just curious. Before we start talking about your new book, which is why we're here today, just tell me if there's one thing that you really miss right now. For me, it's going to Mastros on Saturday night. I just miss that. Is there something that you're missing and you can't wait to get back to?
1: Well, there's a restaurant in Palm Springs that we've been going to for 43 years, 43 years. And it's our date. And we like to go like every couple of weeks. And I like to get really dressed up. I mean, really dressed up. The great thing about Palm Springs is there's no wrong. You you can wear whatever you want.
0: Oh, anything goes.
1: Yeah, I even I have this hat with a veil and I sometimes even wear my little hat with a veil. Alan loves it. If only I smoked, it would look so good to have red lips and smoke a cigarette. (laughs) Unfortunately, I don't smoke, or fortunately, of course. And so we go, we sit at the bar. There's a corny, well, not corny, a a little uh, trio there that is perfect for this restaurant. And they play what my kids call corny music. That's what I started to say, but I love it. It's from the Great American Songbook. It's very Sinatra-esque. In fact, in the early days when we were going to this restaurant, Sir Sinatra would be in that restaurant, in that bar, and um, it was always fun to see him, and he called me, baby. <laughs> I'd walk in and go, hello, baby, and i think, woo. The nice thing about Sinatra, which was very much like Johnny Carson, men were as gaga over both of those men as were women. They had this, this sexuality that was appealing across the boards. And um, I was so lucky to know both men. I knew Carson better than Sinatra, but I saw Sinatra around town. We went to his house several times and I was surprised to know that the kid that was in Sinatra, he said, want to go to the caboose one night. So Alan and I go to the caboose with him and it's a caboose. And he puts on an engineer's hat and he's got the Lionel train set of every little boy's dreams. If money was no object, the trains go around the room and up the hill and down the hill and uh, down down a slope and up the slope and around and round. And he had all the controls. And I would stand there and watch him thinking he's just a big, overgrown kid. And he made all this money. And this is what he always wanted. So I was glad to know him. And then Johnny Carson... I was very, very, very fortunate to have been discovered by him. And who does that happen to? It was 1973 and I had written my first book of poetry. I was absolutely broke and a single mother and um, teenage mother. And I wrote poetry to kind of work out my feelings and emotions. Because at that time, when you got pregnant and you, you had to get married, And so I married who I had to get married to, who was a real nice guy. It wasn't his fault. First time I ever had sex. My granddaughter recently said to me, wait, wait, wait. I said, what? She said, you lost your virginity and got pregnant on the same night? I said, yep. (laughs) My little son wanted to be here. But anyway, um, I was making a living as an extra because I hadn't, uh, I was going to say I hadn't finished college. I'd only gone to college for a few months and then got pregnant. And I would write poems to express my feelings. A lot of them were sad. A lot of them were ashamed. A lot of them were, man, did I screw up. I had such big dreams for my life. I just thought I was gonna do so much with my life. Because the other man who was instrumental in my discovery was someone you probably don't know. His name was Walter Winchell. And he was at that time in 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 the 40s, not at that time. Uh, he was the, 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 I guess they called them disc jockeys back then, but he was the guy. There were very few well-known radio guys and it always started out with a ticker tape kind of sound. And then this voice would say, this is Walter Winchell," And he had a signature look, a pork pie hat and a, he wore a trench coat. So the last night of my high school musical where I played guys and dolls and, and I was Adelaide and I was Adelaide, uh, he came. I don't know how he came. I don't know why he came. And after the show was over, he walks up on stage and he looks at me, comes right up to me, he says, you're going someplace, sister. And because of that, I got a scholarship to college. The next day I was on the front page of the San Bruno Herald or whatever they called it. And they had just just me and Walter Winchell. And it must have been a big deal because everybody who was older than me knew he was a big deal. So when I went to college and then all of a sudden in the first two months, having had sex once in my life, I got pregnant. So at that time, you dropped out. Your family was ashamed of you. You went away. You hid yourself for nine months. And then you lied about your baby being premature and all that stupid stuff. So it was a struggle kind of time. And I had, then, then I divorced my husband because I couldn't stay with him. It was never, I was never supposed to be with them. And so that was shameful also. So I had all this baggage and and I had been called in to do a, to be a prize model on a game show called The Anniversary Game starring Alan Hamill. And I walked in, I'd never been in a television studio before and there was Alan Hamill And if there is such a thing as love at first sight, it was love at first sight. I just, it was something. To this day, it's something. He's Alan Hamill, for those of you who don't know, is my husband. So at that time, I was so madly in love with Alan Hamill, and he was telling me he's never getting married again. He announced that on date number one. And somebody like me with a a baby was not, you know, a prize. (laughs) But I ran in the trades that they were looking for a guest star on a show called Lots of Luck, starring Dom DeLuise. And it described the guest star as small-town girl, doesn't know who she is, and doesn't know what she looks like. And I was savvy enough to go, that's me. I I, Small-town, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I look like. So I got together the $25 to fly to Los Angeles mainly to see Alan Hamill. Where were you flying
0: from? Like, where did you grow up?
1: Uh, so I was living in Sausalito at this time, but San Francisco. Okay. So it's 25 bucks. And I was hoping I'd get the part, but more than that, I wanted to just be with Alan Hamill for one night. And so I told him, cause I didn't know anything. I have an interview at Burbank at NBC studios at two o'clock on Tuesday afternoon. Can you pick me up at the airport? Of course, he picks me up. We have this kiss in the car that is memorable. You know, when you're just so in love and it's early and oh my God, it was so incredible. He drives me over to NBC. Again, when you don't know anything, the guard says, why are you here? I'm here for the Dom DeLuise show, which I was in my mind. They said, oh, go park over there. So Alan stayed in the car. I went in to where they told me to go. Had never done this before. And there are a bunch of blonde women there. Oh, so much better looking than me. And I watched what they did. They stood up and they went over to the receptionist. They signed in, then the receptionist gave them a script. So I went over, I signed in, and they gave me a script. I go and I read for this uh, Sam Denoff, who I eventually, years later, worked for, one of the top comedy writers in Hollywood. And when I finished reading for him, he said, very nice. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I know. I'm a small-town girl. I don't know who I am. (laughs) And I don't know what I look like. (laughs) He said, I'm going to give you a call back. And I said, well, thank you very much. So I go out to the uh, receptionist and I said, I have a call back. She said, well, good for you. And I said, what is that? She (laughs) said, said, they're going to call you back. I said, oh, when? Today? She said, well, yeah, today. I said, well, where do I go? Now I'm her problem and now I'm irritating her. And she said to me... (laughs) The next words that changed my life, she said, exasperated. I don't know. Why don't you go wait in the commissary? She just wanted to get rid of me. So I went to the commissary, and I'm sitting there all by myself. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon now, and I don't have any money to buy anything to eat, so I'm just sitting there, and in walks Johnny Carson, and I'm all alone. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, there's Johnny Carson. Oh, my God, there's Johnny Carson. Oh, my God. I think Johnny Carson's walking over to me and he walks over to me and he says, hey, little lady, what are you doing here? And I said, I have a callback because, you know, now I had lingo. <laughs> and I, I told him, Dom DeLuise, he says, oh, he's a good friend of mine. Well, I hope you get it. And all I had, I didn't have an eight by 10 because I don't know any rules or anything, but I had brought along one of my little books of poetry called Touch Me that had my picture on the front. So I just handed him the book Thinking, maybe you'll like my poetry. That was Wednesday. Friday of that week, I was booked on The Tonight Show, my first national television oh, debut.
0: My goodness. Your life has all been about crazy timing.
1: Crazy timing. And, you know, it's luck most of the time, or maybe it's the universe directing you. I don't know. I probably think a little of both. And I thought, oh my God, they must love my poetry. But I only had one kind of credit. I actually didn't get credit, but I only had one done, done one thing as an extra. And I hear Johnny Carson say when I'm standing behind that famous curtain, well, we've all been wondering who the mysterious blonde in the Thunderbird in America Graffiti is. Well, we found her and the curtain opened and the audience goes, Woo! and it scared me because I didn't know what that was because I hadn't seen the movie because I didn't have any money. I'm a teenage mother. I'm trying to put food on the table. And he liked me because I was so pure. I was so naive. He had me on every month. He never came on to me. And I'm so glad about that. That's not what it was about. He, There was nobody in town like me. Everybody was trying to act like they were more than they were, and I, I did not even be that. And so he said to me, his first question was, well... When did you get to town? And I said, Today. <laughs> you know, like when you, when you ask a little kid a question, it's literal. When I talk to my grandkids, what are you doing? They go, talking on the phone. I think, of course, you know, it's literal. And so my little book of poetry called Touch Me became the number one best selling book of poetry in America that year, along with Rod McEwen. So, you know, in this whole Me Too movement, And men have treated me very badly in my life, but men have treated me very well. And I just mentioned three men that uh, changed the course of my life, who through uh, total respect for me and who I was, and the ones that treated me badly were were actually really important in my life. Like my father, who was a violent, violent alcoholic. My um, I wrote. Couple of books about him. He gave me the "I'll show yous" because my father used to tell me it was a litany. He'd get drunk and he'd say, "You're stupid. You're hopeless. You're worthless. You're nothing. You're a big O." And I heard that over and over and over again, and that's why my self-esteem was so low. But because of that, it gave me that purity of I. I knew I was nothing because he told me over and over. I couldn't even try to be something. But then one night, something happened, and then I'll let you ask me some questions. I'm sorry to do this monologue, but I think it sets up how this all became. One night, my mother made me my prom dress, my first date, and she took me to the theater district in in San Francisco and let me pick out whatever I wanted, and I picked out this peach and pink sequin for the bodice uh, fabric, and then for the skirt, we did three layers of Peach chiffon and pink chiffon and then another layer of another version of those colors. And she finished the dress and she hung it on the back of my closet door. And tomorrow night I was going to wear it. And with my father, and for those of you who are listening, who come from alcoholism or drug, drug addiction, you know what the nights are like. The nights are, are filled with fear. And somebody's always it. And my father had been watching my mother make me this dress. And he was very jealous of the relationship we had because I had no relationship with him because I was terrified of him. And so he knew the dress was finished. And so that night, it was like 3 in the morning, he bangs into my bedroom door, turns on the overhead light, goes over to my closet. And he says, you think you're going to the prom with all the boys? Well, you're not going. You're nothing. And he takes my dress and he starts to rip it. And he rips it in half. Hard story to tell. And I start screaming, no, Daddy, please, please, please. And my mother came in, what are you, crazy? And he took my mother and he punched her in the breast and he knocked her to the floor. And I took my tennis racket without even thinking because I didn't know how else to stop him. And with all of my strength, I brought it down on his head. And his head started squirting blood like a geyser. And uh, there was blood everywhere. Imagine. I'm 16, and my mother, who was so codependent, screaming, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, and she drags him down the hall and drags him through the living room and down the front porch and drags him into the car, and I run out the back, and I'm so sorry, Mommy, I didn't mean to kill Daddy, I didn't mean to kill Daddy, and she backs off, she's in shock, and I'm lying on, in the alley, in the dirt, and then I look at myself and I'm covered in blood and there's blood everywhere. And so like a crazy person, I take a hose and I start washing and washing and washing. And then I go inside and I started scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing and trying to get rid of this craziness, just get rid of it. And then I took off my robe and, and then I went into my closet and I hid in the corner under my clothes in my closet and felt so horrible. And around 5 or 6 in the morning, I hear my mother pull into the driveway, and I look out the little window of my closet, and there's my father's, heads all wrapped in bandages. I had given him a concussion and a bunch of stitches. From that moment on, I was terrified of him. But what I didn't realize, that he was terrified of me, because I was the first one in the family in that movement of taking that tennis racket. And bringing it down on his head, what I was really doing was saying, no. Enough. Right. Enough. No more. No more. You can't do this. And what I learned from that was, um, he, you can tell me I'm nothing all you want. Well, I'll show you. And I call it the I'll, I'll show yous. And I did.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, I want to thank you for sharing that story because I think all too often celebrities are viewed as just having everything paved out so perfectly for them and people don't understand you can go from struggle to very successful.
1: I think the, the, uh, most successful ones do. I think to find that piece of you inside that piece of your heart inside that, um, allows you to see yourself for who you really are without criticism. You know, the way I look at myself now is I'm proud of myself. I, did, I didn't let him win. I won. And um, that, that book became a bestseller. 16 weeks on the New York Times list. It became a movie. It started the Children of Alcoholics movement. I started lecturing on behalf of Children of Alcoholics, and they came. I wasn't alone. I always thought I was the only one who was affected by alcoholism, who didn't drink. But the children of the alcoholics don't know where they fit in because they don't have a title. And I gave them a title. We were adult children of alcoholics. And it was a profound movement, very profound. So, you know, if you talk to people who had childhoods like this, who had crappy upbringings, had a great mother, my mother always told me I could do anything, but she was so shell-shocked by living with him. She was so she was so sweet that I fashioned Chrissy Snow after her, so you can imagine who she was. Um, but I think that adversity is the opportunity in life.
0: Did your mom and your dad live long enough to see you become so successful?
1: Yes. And my father lived long enough for me. He came... Not only to, you know, they'd come to the tapings of Three's Company, but when I became a Las Vegas headliner, I would invite them. And um, one time he was staying at my house. We'd built a a ranch outside of um, the Strip to kind of have a normal day. And I woke up in the morning. I heard him ordering my mother around the way I heard when I grew up. After all the violence and the craziness and him throwing food around the kitchen and everything when I was a kid... It was us, my mother and, and my brother and sister and I, that we'd clean it all up so he wouldn't have to look at what he did. And so in the morning he wasn't he was sober now, but he was he was what they call a dry drunk. And he is not throwing food around, but he was ordering her around. Mommy, where's my breakfast? Mommy, where's my paper? Mommy, where's and I lay in bed, and they left that day. And when they got home, I called him and I said if anyone ever treated my mother and me the way you treat her and the way you treated me, I would kill them. And he said, I thought I was doing so good. And I said, you're just sober. You're not well. You haven't done the work. I want an apology and I want you to apologize to my mother for what you did. So my mother said that he sat at the table that afternoon and wrote letter after letter and then smashed it up and threw it on the ground. And finally, he sent me the letter that anyone who's ever been abused wanted. And it was all over for me. Then I said, it's okay, dad, I love you.
0: Oh, that's a happy ending
1: then. Absolutely. So they got to really enjoy my success. And uh, I did show them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you did. And you know what? One of the things that I noticed just today is that your husband did your pre-call to make sure technology was set up right. And I actually yes. text my husband. I'm in my casita. He's in the house. I'm like, that was so sweet. Her husband just made sure everything was set for her. So you, it sounds like you had a good picker. Oh my <laughs>
1: God. He's the, he's the, he's the right husband. Oh my God. Uh, I love it. We were sitting in bed last night cause you know, the court, this quarantine, we are talking, and I said, I think you're perfect. He said, well, not perfect. I said, honestly, I do. I, do, I can't think of anything that I think that's wrong with you. He's so – during this time that I've been down, it's the first time in our marriage that I – well, I had breast cancer 20 years ago, but that didn't put me down like this did. He's been so tender and so caring. I mean, I haven't really even been able to bend over to – be able to put my pants or my underwear on. And he does it. He goes, no, I like this job. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: I, I had no idea. Cause sometimes I follow your Instagram lives. You'll actually motivate us to go out and hike when you're walking around here in Palm desert and doing your little hikes. So I didn't know you were down and out.
1: Yeah. I, I, I can't wait to get back on the hiking trail. I just can't wait. And you know what? I was working with a therapist today and I'm, just about ready to get rid of the crutch. And he said, do you have a pillow you can put between your knees and squeeze? I said, better than that. I have a thigh master. <laughs> oh, that's right. He obviously said, did not know your past. Yeah. And so he said, oh yeah, use that. So I, he said, let's, let's see if you can do it. I did it 10 times. He said, okay. He said for the next week, do it three times a day, 10 times a day to st- strengthen the fracture, which is right in the pelvis and, and in the, and the uh, not in the hip joint, but below the hip joint where the pelvis is. So it's very painful. He said three times a week, he said, then work up to 23 times a week, then 25, then 50. He said, just start doing the thigh master uh, three times uh, a day. I didn't say three times a day, I meant not a week uh, for as long as you can without overdoing it. And he said, you'll be walking perfect again. So I'm so happy about that.
0: Thank God you didn't take that to revivals in Palm Springs. No,
1: no, that's staying. <laughs> okay. That's staying. Also, I, I I asked about the butt master, which you put on the outer. And he said, that's fantastic for the whole uh, pain in the butt cheek, which is part of the fracture. So, so these things, you know, the, the thigh master uh, was just a stroke of great luck.
0: Timeless. In every way. Well, I love, I have notes here about your book. So many notes. I finally stopped reading it because I couldn't get through like a paragraph without thinking of a question. I'm like, I'm just going to let this conversation flow. Great. I have to tell you, I'm such a firm believer in when the student is ready, the teacher will appear.
1: Totally. I am
0: 50 and I haven't stopped sweating for like three years.
1: Oh, you are ready. Oh, gosh. So I
0: said to Jay about two months ago, I know why we age, because we sweat out every bit of moisture we've ever <laughs> had in our body.
1: Did you get to the point where I described the seven doors of menopause? Itchy, bitchy, sleepy, sweaty, bloated, forgetful, and all dried up. And they oh, all yeah. vi- they all visit, don't they?
0: Thank God I have not been bitchy. That's the crazy thing. Okay. I actually have found this has made me nicer, but six of them, spot on. Yes. Okay, yeah. So. Right.
1: You're lucky, the, as estrogen and progesterone, when the ratio's off, uh, that's when the moodiness comes. That's why young women have PMS. And the reason that uh, young women, and probably myself included, uh, get, and in my case, got breast cancer, was estrogen is carcinogenic. It is. But progesterone is anti-carcinogenic. So we make estrogen every day of the month but for 15 days of the month we make progesterone. It's nature's way of, of loading you up with estrogen and when you reach an estrogen peak on the 12th day, which happens to coincide with full moon, and if you go back to paleo times, uh, here, here are women, the highest estrogen of, uh, quotient of the month with the full moon at their horniest and that's how nature set up that we make babies. The next day, The progesterone comes in going, okay, enough with the high estrogen. You get to feel good for a week, but I'm going to knock down all this estrogen so your ratio is right so you don't get cancer. The reason I believe I got cancer, and so many women your age group gets cancer, and the fact that you're not moody means you've caught it in time, is that we stop making sufficient progesterone. So if progesterone is your anti-carcinogenic hormone, you're not making enough of it you're a setup so if i were you if i were you and i'm not giving you advice but if i were you what i would do if it were me is i would have a baseline hormonal uh, urine test it's more accurate to have a 24-hour urine test and um, see where all your levels are maybe they're perfect. Maybe they're not. Maybe your estrogen and and progesterone ratio is perfect, but now you'll have a baseline. So if you start declining and getting more and more symptomatic over the next year or years, you can go back to when it was at optimal, or if it's not, where it was closest to optimal. And then that's how you know how much you put back in, but you got to do this with a qualified doctor.
0: I have done it with the saliva test. They and then the lab gave me the wrong progesterone. So I went into toxicity there, lost part of my vision and my right eye had a rash on my face. So I'm finally feeling normal, but here's what I love about your new book and everyone listening, you gotta get this. It's like right now, my Bible for anti-aging. So it is called A New Way to Age. Here's the thing, you break it down. So the minor and the major hormones that in a way that's more understandable than any of my doctors did.
1: Well, they, yeah. They don't know how to explain it. I that's my talent. Who knew? But I when I interview Genius. These, <laughs> when I interview these doctors, I go, wait, 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 wait. Do, are you meaning this? Are you meaning that? And I force them to break it down and break it down and then I take the edited piece and break it down even more. And well once I get it, then I know we'll all get it. So
0: Yeah, uh, you've done an excellent job of explaining things and I have your next book ready for you. I have to tell you this too, is nobody told me this stuff in my twenties and thirties. If you could give those women a map of what to expect, who knew you're going to be dried up and moody at 50 years old. (laughs) Like we need a heads up. So everyone needs to be reading this, but there was one doctor in this book that I just kept opening it up and I was the most drawn to his message for some reason. Maybe it's what I needed to hear, but Jonathan Wright.
1: Absolutely. He's a wizard. I always say Jonathan Wright is always right. He's, in, he's, uh, in, he's not in Seattle, he's in Tukwila, Washington. But if you look up, the only reason I'm making that delineation is there's another Jonathan Wright in uh, Seattle. That's not the one. And jo- this Jonathan Wright is in the back of the book. I, I have interviewed him for several of my books. He's one of my greatest teachers. He's a, ver- a voracious reader. He, You know, I said to him one day, oh, this year, I'm getting these spots on my hands. I've never had them before. I said, what are these? He says, well, if you take um, Hawthorne supplementation and Bilberry, they'll go away. So I took Hawthorne and Bilberry, and they went away. So then I stopped taking them, and then they came back. And whatever it is in my body that's in these two supplements – Clearly, I need it. And he knows stuff like that. Like what he said in, in that book, one of the things he said that I didn't know after all the books I've written, he said, you know, they always say women die of heart disease. And we do. We also die of lung disease. And he said it's because lungs are estrogen dependent. So when you stop making sufficient estrogen, your lungs aren't getting fed uh, their, their proper nutrients. And I mean, those are important things to know. This is all chemistry. It's alchemy. And um, in all the years that I've known Dr. Wright, he has never, ever once prescribed a pharmaceutical drug for me. Now, he's gotten in a lot of trouble for that. The FDA raided his clinic. And so you'll see things like that when you look him up because, you know, the anti-drug message is not a popular message. Um, And the way I've sold this book is by saying, I know that this is what we grew up with, the allopathic uh, method. Allopathic meaning, here's my problem, doctor, and the doctor says, here's the drug for that problem. And that's what we're comfortable with. It's not radical. Nobody ridicules you for it. That's what we feel best with. But if you're like me and you would rather, and it sounds like you might be, go natural first Then read this book, inform yourself, and then you can make the right decisions. When you need a drug, uh, you need it. It's a godsend. Like with my fracture, the pain was so intense, I had to take some painkiller. But the rest of my body was so healthy by putting back everything I've lost in the aging process. And that's what a new age way to age is about. If you're hormonally depleted, you do the testing to find out Uh, which hormones are low, which hormones need tweaking. And it's like, you know, when you're cooking, you put a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this. But this way, it's in the exact right amounts. And then you go deeper and you um, do lab work for your nutrient levels and your mineral levels and put back what you're not getting from your food. If you you're can, through testing, find out if you're having trouble absorbing uh, minerals If you are, you can eat the greatest food in the world and you're not getting all that you can get out of it. And um, the body works on the highest quality octane. That's the food we put in. That's our fuel. And without high quality fuel, you'd be like putting, you know, low quality uh, gas and oil into a Maserati. You just wouldn't do it because, you know, it would mess up the machine. And this is such an incredible machine.
0: I loved what he said when it, to me, it was so profound when he said in 40 years, Jonathan Wright, that we're talking about, I've never healed a patient. They heal themselves. And it's exactly what you're saying. Like you have to figure out what's going on yeah, to exactly. correct it.
1: Exactly. That's a great quote of his. Yeah. He has no ego, which I love that about him. No one's going to care as much about your body as you. No one. There's no doctor. He, they will help you, but the more educated you come into these doctors, the better quality health care you're going to get. Because if you go into a doctor's office knowing nothing, they have to start in kindergarten. And they don't have that kind of time. The alternative doctors have more time than the allopathics. But the fact that you're reading these books, and I write these books for all of us, so that we can go into these doctors informed and um, start, you know, uh, near the end of the alphabet rather than at the beginning. I
0: have, I don't know if you know this, but I owned a spa in Los Angeles for a long time. I sold it. I moved out here, but I used to work at a every year and I would see you walking around. As a matter of fact, <laughs> one time they put me on hold to come up and give you a facial with microcurrent, but oh. it never actually happened. <laughs> so one of the things I focus on the most starting every facial is relaxing the right muscles. Because it doesn't matter what you do. If you can relieve tension from the face, I can take yours off your face. That is my confidence factor. And you talk about something. I opened it up. I was fascinated. Aging in the jaw. And your husband's story was crazy.
1: Yeah. And how many, especially little boys, but little girls too, didn't fall off the monkey bars as kids. Or get hit in the head with a baseball. Or I fell out of a car. He he had a terrible... uh, incident happened he was hung by these bullies and left to die the the jaw is so uh, important to alignment and so people go alignment who cares you want to care there are two major nerves that come from the GI tract one is the vagus nerve and the other is the trigeminal nerve it comes up from the GI tract through the heart up through the neck in the base of the the brain, which is the cerebellum, behind the ear, and then up into the brain. The behind the ear is the important part. If your jaw is out of line, and those two important nerves supplying blood to your brain are uh, in the way of your out of line jaw, now your jaw is sitting on those nerves like a kink in the hose, and you're not getting sufficient blood flow to the brain. And there's your stroke, and there's your heart attack. And for us, we were lucky it manifested in Alan, but 40 years later with facial tics and lockjaw, and we went from doctor to doctor and found it on the day that I know he was going to have a stroke. I know it, because he reached a point where he couldn't close his mouth, and he couldn't open his eyes. And I I knew that he had a high toxic burden, and I didn't know why, and we'd been doing all the testing. And I went to a doctor, uh, Dan Johnson, on El Paseo in Palm Springs, who gave IV uh, chelation. And so in order to be his patient, he had to examine him. And my husband was having – he couldn't open his eyes and could close his mouth, and he said, Do you realize you're crooked? And I looked at Alan, who I've been with now for 50 years – and I'd never noticed that his one shoulder just veered slightly lower than the other, which was his all his life making compensation for something he didn't even realize for a jaw that had his uh, neck alignment out. The what? It, when he's he said, "You know, I was just at a conference. One of the, like it was an A 4 M." He said, "I had an hour to kill, and across the hall from my room." was a doctor giving a lecture on the jaw. And he said, I didn't care about the jaw, but I thought I've got an hour to kill. So he said, I went in there. He said, I was blown away. And he said, I think your husband has a serious jaw problem. And it turns out that this dentist is five minutes down the road from here. So we go down there. Talk about, you know, God intervening. go. I would go Again, to your doctor, crazy timing. Crazy <laughs> timing or divine intervention, whatever this is. We go in there and we're sitting in the dental chair and it's terrible. He can't open his eyes and he can't close his mouth. And my husband's a really good looking guy. Not that this meant anything to me, but there is this guy. It didn't even look like him. And I started to cry and this dentist touched my shoulder gently and he looked in my eyes and he said, I can fix this. And I looked back at him and I believed him. And what he did that day was create an appliance, uh, that had to be remade over and over and over again as his jaw changed that pushed his jaw to the side and forward. It was that much out of line to take the pressure off those two nerves and in that afternoon, he released the blood flow to the brain because if you reach a point where your blood flow is so impaired that you can't open your eyes or close your mouth, something bad's going to happen very soon and I know that that day that we uh, obviated a a stroke I know that. When they've been terrible. How long be-
0: before his body started functioning normally again, the mouth closing and the eyes opening? Uh, was it right
1: away? No, no, but got much better. And the more compliant he was with wearing the appliance. Now, this doctor wanted to wear night and day. And it's not fun to wear an appliance during the day because you talk like that, you know, talk like that. And so he wasn't doing that. But when he was home, he would do that. And um, the more he wore the appliance, the less he was symptomatic. And today, he's virtually without symptoms. It's only if he gets really stressed and he starts clenching his teeth does it reappear. And then he's got the appliance to wear again. But that's a lifesaver. And I put this dentist in this book in the heart section because everybody always talks about, you know, aging people. And all of a sudden one day they dropped dead of a heart attack and gee, he was so healthy and nobody knew why. And, um, maybe it's that his name is Dr. I'll Leonard awareness. Yeah. Yeah. It's Leonard Feld. but I, anybody listening who goes, maybe that's what's wrong with my husband or me read this section. So you get the whole story before you go in. So again, you don't go in like it's in kindergarten.
0: Yeah. I thought that was, and you know, it, thank God that you recognize that and you have that knowledge and wisdom to share with everybody else. And really it's part of, I look back about a year ago, I was having a ton of dental work and I look at videos that I did back then. And I look a hundred years older. So our jaw and the health of it is, so important yeah. on so many different levels. If you want to look better, if you want to feel better, that's an area I think that is all too often overlooked. That was the first chapter I opened up to in your book. And I go, oh my God, this is fascinating.
1: Isn't that interesting? And when you look at pictures in this dentist's office of how we age when we have misaligned jaws, that's when the the, the whole jaw gets slack and the mouth get looks smaller and almost concave. It's very, very aging it it accelerates aging plus putting your your health in jeopardy the jaw that's why i said in the head of that chapter i think i said have you ever thought about the jaw and the heart cuz no one thinks about that i think it's the missing component in in the whole uh, heart arena i've brought it up to other cardiologists they you know they don't get it
0: Yeah, it's funny how some people are open to things and other people shut it off before they even learn anything about it. So this is why what you do is so important.
1: And that's why I always say, make sure you go to a qualified doctor. Look at the doctors in the back of this book, um, foreverhealth.com. We have vetted the doctors in foreverhealth.com. These are qualified doctors. Uh, That website may not be up anymore because those doctors got uh, bombarded. But um, the back of this book, and uh, I'm always introducing new doctors on my Facebook live shows, qualified doctor is worth driving to, flying to, because you only go once, and you're working with somebody who gets it, who understands ratios, you, the, the doctor has to understand the ratios, and so do you, the patient, so that you can't, because do- doctors are down on what they're not up on, with all due respect, because it's... Probably annoying. They go to all this medical school and they leave out this part. They left out the whole hormonal discussion in medical school for our doctors. All they taught them was synthetic hormones. Synthetic hormones like Premarin and Provera are not hormones. Uh, uh, Premarin, pre-mare, is made from pregnant mare's urine. Uh, A horse has 34 different estrogens, none of which are... compatible with a, a human female. And then we put that in our bodies and it stops the symptoms somewhat except you gain a lot of weight on these. and uh, that's no fun. Uh, but if you if you do bioidentical hormones like I write about, biologically identical to the human hormone, an exact replica of what your body once made, or still makes a little bit of. You're just putting back more in the exact amounts that you need, which is individualized and different from what I need. And your life starts changing within the first two weeks when you go on these natural hormones. I'll never look back. I'll never stop taking them. They uh, uh, The cancer that I had uh, 20 years ago, I believe was most likely caused, like I said, by a lack of progesterone, I believe in all the research I've done that bioidentical hormones are cancer protective because you're recreating the ratio and balance of when you are in your healthiest prime. And the question always comes up to me, yeah, but isn't menopause natural and isn't, you know, we're supposed to lose our hormones. And I go, yeah, but, but Nature never knew that we were going to extend life and that we're going to live to 80 and 90 years old now and now longer. And so you can you can hit, you know, the end of your reproductive years and not do anything about it and just sort of wither away with no quality. Or how about what I'm experiencing it's it's uh, fun and sexy and and adventurous and energy and healthy and I'm not very wrinkled. I'm you know I got wrinkles but they don't bother me, and I'm not gaining weight because everything's in balance. If you keep your body in balance, all will be well.
0: I love that message, and I do believe harmony is where healthy hormones is at.
1: Totally, for sure. Totally.
0: There's, there's two more things that I want to talk about because they're so relevant right now. And one is you say something about sleep and boomers being up at 3 a.m. All of my friends are up at 3 a.m. right yeah, now.
1: Yeah, that's hormones. Um, so now we're going to go to the major hormones and the minor hormones. Imagine a teeter-totter. And on one end of the teeter-totter are the minor hormones. Why they call them minor, I don't know, because without them, you're not very happy. Minor are estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, pregnenolone, and DHEA. There are others, but those are the most important ones. On the other side of the teeter-totter are your major hormones, thyroid, adrenal, cortisol, and uh, what's the fourth one? How could I forget that? It'll come to me in one second. Thyroid, oh, insulin, 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 cortisol, adrenals. Okay, the major hormones, if any one of those are too high or too low for too long, you won't live very long that's why they're major. When the minors dip, you just feel like crap. Now go back to this teeter-totter with the minors on one side and the majors on the other. Now you're in perimenopause and you're just starting to decline in minors. Your estrogen levels go down, your testosterone, your your uh, progesterone levels go down. All right When that happens, uh, you don't feel like sex very much and You start bloating a lot start putting on a little weight because now when these hormones go down your majors rise well when your insulin is rising that's why you're gaining weight and not eating you're gaining weight while you're sleeping and your adrenals are um, all revved up and so that puts stress on your heart your thyroid stops stops working well because it's getting the levels are so high and You get a lot of anxiety and panic attacks and all the things that menopausal women complain about. But the worst of all is now your cortisol goes sky high. High cortisol for extended periods of time uh, is what they most likely attribute to heart attack and stroke because cortisol is your stress hormone. It was given to us in times of great stress. We pour cortisol like you're being chased by someone who wants to kill you. And you can outrun that person, even though you've never been able to run like that. That's cortisol. It's super human strength. But because your minors are now low, your cortisol is raised every night. It's constantly on alert, on alert, on alert. Well, how can you sleep if you're on alert? So what do you do to balance out that teeter totter? You've got to balance out your minor hormones. So your majors will come down to normal. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, it makes sense. It totally makes sense, and it's part of the reason I think all of my friends are up at three a.m. We're yeah. at that phase in our life where we're working our butts off, so yeah. the cortisol is elevated. For and, sure,
1: and because their minors are dipping, so they're stressed because they they we're all super women, aren't we now? And um, and you you it's three o'clock is when everybody wakes up. When your thyroid uh uh, uh depletes, you can't sleep past three o'clock. But all those majors. Uh, wake you up, and sleep is a game changer. If you don't sleep seven to eight hours a night, uh, it acceler- accelerates your aging. The first three hours of sleep is your REM sleep, that's when your melatonin starts repairing. The next three hours is when all the repair work starts you know, happening. We repair in sleep, but if you're only sleeping three to five hours, we don't kick into repair. Now here's the lousy thing, Me, even if you get to go back to sleep, you got to start all over again. The process has got to start all over again, and you probably won't be able to sleep long enough to get into that repair mode. So you just wake up, and you're just tired all the time. Women, menopausal women are tired. That's why they have dark circles under their eyes. That's why they're just tired. And then cranky, cranky. How, how can you not be cranky if you don't sleep? I'm not a cranky person. Yeah, go on.
0: You're, you're a big fan of melatonin, right? I just read that before we hopped on the, because it does more than help you sleep. It's supposed to ward off something else. And it's slipping my mind, what you say in the book.
1: It's a major antioxidant and we're being bombarded, bombarded with, uh, free radicals from EMF towers, you know, those fake pine trees and, um, uh, from our cell phones, the electric magnetic rads. And, um, these, these things, all, and then chemical foods, you know, non-organic food and chemical uh, skin care and chemical makeup and uh, cleaning your house with chemicals. All these things are free radicals. Antioxidants, in Suzanne speak, eat free radicals. So melatonin is an important antioxidant. And I just finished reading a book on curcumin. These are the kind of books I read. I'm so boring. <laughs> but curcumin is a powerful antioxidant. Also, I now I'm, I'm loading up on that every day.
0: I don't know what that is. Is it a supplement?
1: Curcumin is a supplement. There's an herb called turmeric and in Indian food, they always use turmeric, but inside the herb turmeric is curcumin and curcumin is the medicine inside the turmeric. I'll tell you how important it is. In one of my books, I interviewed this Pakistani doctor, Kaliya Mahmood, and he said, you know, I'm from a third world country, and we have much less cancer than you do in your country. And I said, why is that? He said, well, first of all, we breastfeed for a much longer time than you do. He said, "Um, for a minimum of four years. He said, that protects the mother and that protects the child from breast cancer. He said, but maybe as or more importantly... It's the spices that we use in our food. And he said turmeric, curcumin, um, uh, garam marsala. And he went through all the, the, everything that's in curry, curries. And he said, these are major antioxidants and they're cancer protective.
0: I'm going to pull my turmeric back out tonight. I haven't taken it in a while. (laughs)
1: Thank you for that. We're lucky we're alive long enough and people are doing this kind of research that we can get this kind of information. Cause I don't know about you, but I want to live this long life we're afforded. I like it. But um, yes. I don't want it without quality.
0: I but, want my memory to be as sharp as yours because I feel like at 50, I'm losing it. And I'm like, how does she remember all these names of people and supplements
1: <laughs> and all that when, when you're on the right hormonal cocktail, uh, your memory will come back. And it's so great. You want, you know, in, as we age, you want to keep your brain and you want to keep your bones. And this last couple of months, uh, having my bones be compromised with this fracture uh, and having to limp, wow. Uh, maybe it, maybe I gave this to myself to appreciate how wonderful it is to walk and wear my Manolo Blahniks and strut my stuff. I mean, gosh, I didn't know I liked it that much. So fun. So I'm a girl.
0: I think we're all realizing right now the things that we took advantage of and missed. It seems to be that time that the universe is gifting us, isn't yeah. it?
1: Yeah, you can get it back. It's, it, you, can, you can put everything back together again, like Humpty Dumpty. You can, get, you can get balance back. And the more you read, the more you educate yourself, because you're not going to find this out in mainstream medicine. It's not what they study in medical school. Uh, and yet, you know, doctors have to go to medical school pr- predominantly for surgery. I don't want a surgeon who didn't go to school. <laughs> right. Um, but these new doctors who are medical doctors who went through all the schooling but then realize we've hit the wall for all intents and purposes with uh, allopathic medicine, have taken a big foot out and at great peril to their businesses to treat people the way they want to treat them. And that's what they all say to me. Why, why did you do this? You could have made so much more money being a mainstream doctor. Yes, but I wanted to treat my patients the way I wanted to treat them. You've got to respect that.
0: Yeah, transparency is way more than tactic sometimes
1: when it yeah. comes
0: to medicine, especially.
1: Yeah, that's a nice way of putting it.
0: I am. Um... Uh you know, as we wrap up today, I'm going to tell everyone just where to find your book. You can get it right on Amazon. Not a better time to be investing in books since yeah, right. to be at home, Right. <laughs> a new way right. to age. And it is so good. And when I was speaking to your husband briefly, before we got started, he said, it really is like a reference book. And it is, I yeah. imagine for a very long time, this is right now I have about 50 papers in here saving pages.
1: Wow. Well, that's so great. And I think that's the way to read it. I don't think you have to read this start to finish. You can. Um, but I think the way you're reading it, pick it up, open it up and something grabs you. And then suddenly you find yourself reading the chapter before and the chapter after. So I like that you're reading it like that.
0: Oh, and my husband, every time I read a chapter, I'm like, you got to hear this. You got to hear this. So (laughs) I think as we wrap it up, it would be so, uh, mindful, maybe powerful. I don't know the correct word to just talk about stress and your chapter on stress because we're feeling it heavy duty right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, if um, stress is a killer for sure, the brain the the brain recognizes when you're in a stress mode and um, has to go on overload. And um, if you're not in balance, you can trigger you know you can trigger the cancers in your body. You ask anybody who has cancer if they had trauma in their life, most likely they all will say yes. And right now is a very precarious time for all of us. But I think that we can look at it in a different way right now. When have we had an enforced time to rest? We're all running around. They say that we experience more stress in in single day in today's world than people of Elizabethan times experienced in their entire lifetime. So right now with this pandemic, we are forced to stop, and my sister this morning, I called her at nine o'clock and she said, I'm still in bed, I said, good, you're 80 years old, why shouldn't you be in bed, it's nice. She said, I slept 11 hours, I said, good. I said, look at all that repair work that's going, by the way, my sister at 80, I've had her on hormones now for 20 years, I mean, she looks amazing, but more than that, she has the energy of a 35 year old, it's just incredible. And she's not very wrinkled either. So it all everything you put into your body pays off. But calming yourself down now in this environment of this pandemic and staying home and cooking and having family meals. And if you don't know how to cook, here's where you can teach yourself how to cook. Go to the Food Channel. There's so many places. There's that site on your um, Facebook called Delish. They, those girls will teach you how to make stuff that's a real family crowd pleaser. Just use organic. Think organic. You know, the reason I have an organic skincare line is because I started thinking one day, when I got had cancer 20 years ago, what have I done in my diet and lifestyle to play host to this terrible disease? I had this tumor in my breast. And I realized I hadn't taken food seriously. I hadn't taken sleep seriously. I hadn't managed stress. Um, I'd had therapy because of my father, so that was my advantage. And I decided, rather than take what they wanted me to take, that I would eat from here on in as though my life depends upon it, and I believe it does, and that I would sleep uh, as though my life depends upon it, which I believe it does. So I eat organic food. I am lucky that I live on a piece of property where I can grow my own organic food. And I take food seriously. You could not get anything from a fast food uh, restaurant into me. And I don't even know if I was starving to death if you could because of the damage. I know it does. But here's what um, chemicals on your skin do. And you know this in your line of work. If you look at, say like you put hand lotion on. If you look at your hand under a microscope, what we know of as pores look like big holes, right? So now imagine over those big holes, we put slather this cream that's all loaded with chemicals. Well, where do you think those chemicals are going to go? They're going to drop into those holes and end up in your bloodstream. And now they're going to go on a rampage looking for fatty organs and glands in your body. Their favorite being first to go to the GI tract, eat through the barrier wall of the GI tract, and get into the bloodstream, make their way up to the brain. Could that be, with all the chemical food that kids are eating today, the uh, absolute epidemic of what I call the initials, ADD, ADHD, OCD? When I talk to kids, they brag about their initials. I have ADD and OCD. It's like it's a badge of honor. And what about the epidemic of dementia and Alzheimer's in my age group? That's not right. So take food seriously, take sleep seriously, take stress seriously. Enjoy these couple of weeks that we're forced to rest. Forced. There's nothing we can do. And we all have computers, which opens up a whole world. And you can do research on your computer and turn it into something great. Have a tequila with your husband at 5 o'clock and then have a nice dinner together. You'll enjoy your life. <laughs> oh, I- I love
0: it. Thank you. That's what I've been doing. Early happy hour. And today I even vacuumed my front yard here in the Uh, desert.
1: uh, (laughs) Uh, You 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 can't beat the dust. You were the one vacuuming their yard. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Literally vacuuming. So
0: you know what? I also, if you could have your gal, Brittany, if you know of a doctor, that drivable, flyable, whatever, that could help me right now with the, the never ending heavy progesterone sweating, if you could give me that referral, I would be forever grateful. I
1: will. I will. (laughs) Forever grateful. you. You're living down here?
0: I live in Palm Desert. Yeah.
1: All right. I've got about four in my mind. I'll I'll get that to you in the next couple of days. Oh my gosh.
0: Thank you. Thank you for your time. Everybody, Suzanne Summers, a new way to age on Amazon. Is there anywhere else you'd like to lead these people that may want to find out more about what you're doing?
1: SuzanneSummers.com and... Come to my cocktail party Friday night, a virtual cocktail party at at our home. We have a bar called Big Al's Bar, and um, I've invited the entire world. They came last Thursday night and they came from all over the world the Middle East, Australia, New Zealand, uh, all, all over Europe. And it was so successful. We're doing it again this Friday night. Bring your own bottle, bring your own appetizers. You don't have to dress up, or you don't have to dress at all, or you can get all dressed up, whatever you want, because no one's going to know. And it's a safe cocktail party, and we're going to have so much fun. And we do two of these every week. But this, oh my gosh, I've
0: been to one of them before on Instagram Live. Yeah, (laughs) it's your cocktail party. It's
1: it's Instagram and Facebook, whatever you're most uh, comfortable with. And um, and I also sell products on the days when I'm not doing my big cocktail party. And because I have no middleman, I'm able to give big discounts on all the organic skincare, hair care, organic makeup, and it's all great stuff. I wouldn't sell it if it wasn't great. Household non-toxic cleaning products. I'm real proud of my products. We've worked really hard. All made in the USA, and everything comes from nature.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And I just have to tell you, last night I was sitting there and I go, what does Suzanne Summers mean to me? Because I've been watching you since you were on... uh, as as Christy Snow. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> How fun. Three's Company. <laughs> and I have... Three's Company, thank you. I just had it. See, I told you, I have brain fog. Yeah. I've watched that show and I have actually nine of your books. Like, what does Suzanne Summers mean to me? And I thought, oh my gosh, you really have been like my favorite college professor that has taught me about aging as a woman. And just, I want to thank you for that because you put it out there, even when people tried to get you to stop putting it out there, right? They wanted to put a hush on you.
1: <laughs> they sure did. But um, I showed them. <laughs> I yes, appreciate- you did. And
0: <laughs> and you've really taught me a lot. So thank you for your wisdom. I really appreciate it. Thank and
1: thanks for being here today and speaking to my audience. Well, I appreciate that compliment. And that's what we women are supposed to do. I'm now the matriarch, and it's it's um, it's only right that I take care of those who are coming up. And I really, that's lovely. Compliment.
0: Thank you, Suzanne. Thank you. Enjoy our great weather. And
1: a, here's to speedy
0: healing for your hip. Thank you very much. I'll, that I'll take. I'll see you, okay. the, <laughs> see you at the cocktail party Friday night. That sounds good. I'll be there. Okay. Bye bye. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Thanks for joining me for today's episode of The Beauty Biz Show. If you enjoyed the show and you would take the time to leave a kind review over on iTunes, that is very much appreciated. And if you find you are left craving more beauty biz inspiration and success tools, then you're going to want to head over to beautybizclub.com, which is the premier online success academy where talented practitioners go to maximize their potential and to become booked perfectly. Again, that is beautybizclub.com and it would be my pleasure and my honor to help you tap into your highest potential in the beauty industry.